Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the new year is upon us now. It is 2023. And as we look ahead to a new year, we might often wonder, well, what will the new year bring? Now, will my plans and my goals be fulfilled? Will I experience good health? And what will happen on the world stage? Should you look past at, this, at the past year, many eventful uh, things happened in the world. What will happen in the coming year? And looking ahead into the new year can also bring a measure of uncertainty in our hearts and minds. There's so many variables that can change life dramatically and, in fact, change life in an instant. Uh, house prices, car prices, food prices all continue to be a concern to many. There's talk of a possible economic recession. We'll see if that happens or not. And then there's always the uncertain world of politics and what happens also in our own country. But amidst all that uncertainty, the good news is that the most important thing in life is not uncertain. And that is the saving work of Jesus Christ our Lord. We can count on it. It is sure. As we confess in Lord's Day 1, I belong with body and soul and life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And what beautiful words to meditate on as we enter into this new year, 2023. And this provides us with the rock-solid comfort we need in an uncertain world. No matter what happens in the new year, in your own personal life, or in the world at large, we belong to Jesus Christ, no matter what. And so we can look ahead also with confidence as we, be, we begin another year. That brings us to the sermon theme. Belonging to my shepherd Savior gives me rock-solid comfort in life and in death. We're going to see that this comfort is built upon, first of all, Christ's saving work, Second of all, Christ's preserving work, and finally, Christ's renewing work. So first of all, our only comfort in life and in death is built upon Christ's saving work for us. And the saving work of Christ provides us with rock-solid comfort because of how complete it is. See, Christ doesn't give us simply a halfway salvation leaving us to do the rest. Instead, he saves us the whole way. Listen again to our confession in Lord's Day 1. I belong with body and soul, my entire person, in life and in death, no matter what my circumstances are, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid, not partly paid, but fully paid for all my sins, not just some of them, with his precious blood, and has set me free from all the power of the devil. Satan has zero claim on my life through Christ. We belong to Jesus. And this is a faith we can confess because of God's promises in Christ as he gives us to them in his word. You know, this is a wonderful 
confession in our catechism. But we must know the catechism did not just pull this confession out of thin air. It's not just wishful thinking. Instead, this confession comes from studying the good news of Christ as described in Scripture and resting in what the Bible says about the saving work of Christ. That's how we can make this confession. I'm going to say that again because it's so important to understand. This confession we make in Lord's Day 1 comes from studying the good news of Christ in Scripture and resting in what the Bible says about salvation in Jesus Christ. And to help us in this, we're going to use an example from the Bible. We're going to look closely at the words of Christ from our reading of John 10. In this passage, the Lord Jesus uses the image of a shepherd and his sheep. Christ is the good shepherd, and we are his sheep. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says here. First, there's verses 7 and 9. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So we take hold of that. If anyone enters by Jesus, he will be saved. The sheep of Christ find salvation in and through Christ himself. And notice the certainty of Jesus' words, I am the door of the sheep, if anyone, and that means anyone, enters by me, he will be saved. These are the words of Christ describing salvation in the Bible, and so we rest in them. Jesus says, if we enter by him, we will be saved, and so we believe it, trusting what our Lord Jesus teaches us here in his word. We hold fast to these words, and so we find our salvation in Christ and in him alone. Then there's verses 10 and 11. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again, listen to those words of our Lord. Christ gives us abundant life. It's not a halfway thing. He came to this world to save us and give us eternal life. And he did this by laying down his life for us, dying in our place. See, the good shepherd, our Lord Jesus, he loves his sheep, and he loves them so much he was willing to give his life for you to die in your place to give you eternal life. He poured out his precious blood to save us from our sins. Then there are verses 27 to 30. Or the Lord Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Christ knows us as his own. We belong to him completely, and Christ gives us eternal life. 
He says, through his saving work, we will never, never perish. And so no one, not the devil, not any person in this world, will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. And studying these words, just from this passage alone, from John 10, can you see how this matches with our confession in Lord's Day 1? Why can we confess what we do here? Again, it's not by wishful thinking. It's by taking these words of the Savior and believing them, embracing them in faith. In fact, we can combine the words of Christ in John 10 and combine them with our confession in Lord's Day 1 to show this effect. Or perhaps it's, we could explain it like uh, making this confession in Lord's Day 1 from the angle of John 10. It can sound like this. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul to my faithful shepherd who has made me part of his flock. Jesus, my shepherd, Savior, laid down his life for me to the effect that he has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, so that by entering by him the door for the sheep, I most assuredly will be saved. By his power and love, he has set me free from all the power of the devil because he now holds me in his hand. And I am so firmly in his grip that I will never perish and no one will be able to snatch me from his hand. That is our confession in Lord's Day 1 through the lens of John 10. And that's one passage of Scripture. We can do this with all of Scripture, taking, uh, taking what Scripture teaches about salvation, resting in it, believing in it. And all of us need this comfort. We need it as we enter into a new year, and throughout our life. It's because we all have sins. We, have all, we all have debts before God. We all need these things taken care of, our, our debt and our guilt. Or we will never have rest. And if they are not taken care of, we will never have eternal life. Now, what if you didn't know whether or not your sins are forgiven? Well, you would be left with two bad options. Either a person would try to ignore his guilt and suppress his conscience and try to forget about God. But doing this only leads a person to be further estranged from the Lord. Or the other option is to constantly walk around with a deep sense of guilt. And we would live in constant fear, never sure of our status before God. But through this work of Christ, embracing it, we can finally be at rest. The most important thing in all the world has been taken care of. Christ has paid for my sins. In Him, my relationship with God has been healed. I have a Savior who has given me eternal life and keeps me in His care. Our deepest needs have been met completely by the saving work of Christ. That brings us to our second point. Well, this rock-solid comfort Christ gives us is not just for today, but it's also for the future. Listen to the second main part of question-answer one. 
Jesus Christ also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. And this is just as important as what we read in the first section of our confession. It's great to know that you belong to Christ in body and soul, but in order to really be at rest, we need to be assured that this truth will go on into the future. And the confession we make is that we will indeed be preserved by Christ to the end. This is something often referred to as the perseverance of the saints, or sometimes, and maybe perhaps better known as, the preservation of believers by God. To see the scriptural truth behind this confession, we, we can again turn to John 10. In verses 11 to 15, the Lord Jesus compares himself to uh, the false shepherds who care nothing for the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And what do these words show us? Well, there are some shepherds who easily abandon the flock. They don't care about preserving the lives of the sheep. But when dangerous enemies approach, they leave the sheep to fend for themselves and let them die. And then the enemies snatch the sheep away, kill them. And so the sheep perish. And the Lord Jesus is emphatically teaching us here, I am not that kind of shepherd. I've not only given my life to pay for my people's sins, but I also carefully watch my sheep to protect them and to preserve them. I make sure that no enemy can just snatch them away from me. In fact, even if they try, they won't be able to do it. Christ says, my sheep will never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. See, our shepherd is in heaven. He is at the right hand of God the Father. And he has both the power and the willingness to preserve and protect believers. Think of his power. From highest heaven, he sees all the world and everyone in it. Nothing catches him off guard. Nothing escapes his notice. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. That means nothing lies outside of his ultimate control. And so that also means the devil cannot attack us without his permission and will. And even when he does, Christ will preserve the souls of his sheep. That's his power. Think also of his willingness. Christ loved us so much that he was willing to go to the cross, suffering the wrath of God for his sheep. And if he did that, do you think he would allow that work of suffering, the eternal wrath of God, to 
to go in vain? Well, no. He will make sure those whom he died for will ultimately be saved. It's the same logic describing the preserving work of God the Father in Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You can understand the logic. God gave us what was most precious to him in order to save us. And if he did that, don't you think he would also give you everything else you need to be saved in the end? And that's why Lord's Day 1 unites the work of God the Son and God the Father to preserve us in the Christian life. There we confess, Jesus Christ also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. See, there's no tension between the saving purposes of God the Father and God the Son. They are completely united in it. Their purposes are the same, to preserve us all the way to final salvation. We see the same thing again in John 10. The Lord Jesus emphasizes, as he emphasizes throughout the book of John, says, I and the Father are one. They are one in essence. They have the same nature. And they are one in purpose. You see, not only is Christ the good shepherd, but so is our Father in heaven. Think of what we sang from in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord will guide me. David could confess confidence in God because the Lord was committed to preserving his life. And it's the same work and love displayed by Christ also in John 10. And the Lord speaks of his shepherding work in Ezekiel 34. Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I will rescue them. I will feed them with good pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured and will strengthen the weak. That's the shepherd work of our God. It's the shepherd work of our Savior. That's why the Lord Jesus combines his preserving work in John 10, with that of the Father. He says, I give my sheep eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand, and my Father who has given them to me, one purpose to save Christ's sheep, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And so we are in the preserving hands of Christ, of God the Father. Not one hair falls from our head without his will. They have the same purpose, saving, same saving purposes toward believers. That's why we confess what we do about the perseverance of the saints and the canons of Dort. Chapter 5, Article 8. It's titled, The Grace of the Triune God Preserves. And there we confess, if left to ourselves... We would easily fall away from the faith and be lost. 
But with respect to God, this cannot possibly happen since His counsel cannot be changed. His promise cannot fail. The calling according to His purpose cannot be revoked. The merit, intercession, and preservation of Christ cannot be nullified, and the sealing of the Holy Spirit can neither be frustrated nor destroyed. That is the preserving work of God in salvation. That brings us to our last point. So in our confession, we not only confess Jesus' saving work and His preserving work, but we also confess Christ's renewing work. Jesus Christ renews us by freeing us from our enemies. He renews us by freeing us from slavery to sin. Listen to what we confess in Lord's Day 1. Thereby, therefore, sorry, by His Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. So our Good Shepherd assures us of eternal life by His Holy Spirit. He assures us that we have eternal life and that it is coming. He does this also through the sealing work of, of the Holy Spirit. You see, when people own something valuable, something they want to keep for themselves, what do they often do? They'll often engrave their name in that, on that thing so that everyone knows this belongs uh, to me. Right? I want to keep this thing. They make sure that everyone knows it belongs to them. And sometimes people have a, what's called a, a seal, which they use to make a special imprint on paper, and then they can uh, use that seal to make that imprint in a book that they own. Right? That everyone knows this book belongs to that person. It's a mark of ownership. Well, the Lord Jesus does the same with us. He gives the people for whom he died a seal of ownership. He does this by giving us the Holy Spirit. Listen to how this is described in 2 Corinthians 1. It is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Right? A guarantee of what is coming. This is one way Christ assures us of eternal life. He gives his people the Holy Spirit, sealing his, uh, setting his seal on them to mark them as his own. We belong in body and in soul to Jesus Christ. He says in John 10, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. But by the sealing us with the Holy Spirit, Christ not only marks us as his own, but he also makes us heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. We have the Spirit of God who empowers us to live for our Savior. As Jesus also says in John 10, that my sheep hear, or the sheep hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, 
We listen to him, we listen to his word, and we follow that word that he has given us. Christ gives us his teaching in scripture. Excuse me. We as a sheep, we listen to it and we follow it. You know, it's really the saving work of Christ that frees us to live that way with dedication and purpose to follow the teaching of our Savior. That's because Christ has made us secure. He has given us eternal life. And we can know we will never perish in Him. And because we have eternal life in Christ, we really do have all things, immeasurable riches in Christ. We have everything. When you are an heir of eternal life, as you are in Jesus Christ, nothing can take away these wonderful riches, eternal riches. Uh, listen to what, how Peter, 1 Peter 1 describes this. God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to, a, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So again, if Christ is your Savior, you believe in Christ, you really do have all things. And even if everything in this life is taken from you, no one can take your eternal inheritance away from you. And so for Christians, even if we were to possess nothing in this life, we still have everything because we are heirs in Christ. Christ has met our deepest needs for all eternity. And this is why the author of Hebrews could write to his audience what he did in Hebrews 10. He says, Recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property by people who persecuted them, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. You see how the gospel changed their life? They, they let go of what they had because they knew they had Christ and they had eternal life. It was okay. And so knowing and believing that we have eternal life in Christ, it frees us to serve God in all things. <clears throat> we can let go of our lives. They are secure anyway in Jesus Christ, secure for all eternity. We can serve the Lord Jesus with our entire self. Our entire person belongs to the Lord. You see, the comfort of the Christian is unshakable. People can take away everything you own, but no one and nothing can take away your Savior from you. No one and nothing can change the fact that you belong to Him. No one can take away this comfort for the Christian. No matter what happens in life, no matter what happens in the new year. And that's why it's our only comfort in life and death at the end of the day. And that's why it's our rock-solid comfort in life and in death. It will never change. Beloved, may that free you to serve the Lord. And I urge you to do that more and more in the new year. Serve your God. Live for Him. 
live for the praise of His glory. Amen. Let us respond to the preaching of God's Word by singing about our, our assurance of not being separated from God's love Uh, sing together a hymn based on Romans 8. Hymn 35 stands as 1, 3, and 4.